It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for episode, or lax class, if you will, 218. And another fine program lined up for you. As uh, Thanks for joining us. Jake Elliott, Tino Santino Ferra. Back on the podcast here, Tino. It is uh, again here as we record on a Monday. It's high overcast. I've been an absolute sloth all day. Like it's shameful what I have accomplished on my Monday, which is absolutely nothing. Uh, so I feel a little bit guilty about that. Might get in some work uh, a little bit later. But uh, how was your weekend? What's going on? Welcome back to Lax Class. How are you been? Been good. Uh, I would, if, if you don't mind, I would love to start off the episode by giving uh, our condolences to the Ojik family, Gino mm, Ojik. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, sadly, um, passing away over the weekend. So I've spent my day at work, of course, like uh, on 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 the radio and stuff, like listening to all the tributes and stuff, everyone giving their nice words. I saw you put up a picture uh, of, of you alongside him as well. Yeah. I personally never had an opportunity to meet him, but everybody that I that has anything to say about him just says he's the most unreal guy. Yeah. So obviously condolences to uh to the Ojik family. That's that's a tough one, but yeah, uh, tough tough loss there. You know, he just to stay on Gino for a sec. Yeah, uh, you know, he was scheduled to die uh really yeah. back in twenty fourteen and, and lasted another nine years, I guess. So tells you what kind of fighter that guy was, uh, not just on the ice but off. And uh yeah, funnily enough. You know, I got that picture with Gino last year at a Warriors game and just so happened to be wearing the exact same suit combination as I was on Saturday night, which is <laughs> kind of weird. People are asking me, was Gino at the game on Saturday? And I said, no, no, that was that was last year. I just only owned one suit and tie, uh, apparently. But anyways, um, yeah, tough one there for, for Gino. Uh, just an absolute legend. I hope they put his, his number up in the ring of honor. What about the rest of the weekend, man? I know you didn't get a chance to get down to Rogers on Saturday. I still got your toque in my bag. I got to get that to you somehow. But uh, what else is going on? Uh, yeah, not a whole lot. Well, I mean, worst case, I guess I'll be seeing you in the booth on the 28th. Oh, yes. Uh, so, I don't think uh, we mentioned that. Tino back in the, the color chairs. Brad will be in Calgary. So uh, your second NLL game uh, coming up in a couple of weeks and uh, just so happens to be First Nations Indigenous Night again. So uh, that was what the scenario was last year. and We'll look forward to that. Yeah, I'm I'm really fired up. Uh, obviously, shout out to you and, and everybody who's, who's gotten me to this point for uh, for the opportunity. But uh, yeah, the, I'm counting down the days to that. That's for sure. But overall, like for the the weekend in general, it was pretty standard for the most part. Spent some time over with with Jen's family. Worked over the weekend. You know, I know people are are thrilled about uh, my men's league ball hockey experience. Mm. Our, our game got canceled this weekend, unfortunately. So uh, the other team had to forfeit. <laughs> so the pylons are a wagon. We'll say it. <laughs> Um, the pylon flu. Yeah, the py- That's what I said. I was like, "Hey, I'd I'd pretend to get the flu too if I if I had to yeah. uh, play us." But yeah. 
Yeah, otherwise, uh, it was a pretty uneventful weekend for the most part. Uh, but I'd love to hear about your weekend because you were finally back in the booth. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's hear about it. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that, I suppose, uh, when we get into who we had. The week that was uh, Friday. What did I do Friday? Not not a whole lot. Spent, uh, you know, the evening watching lacrosse. Uh, took in a couple of games there. Saturday, we laid Danny's dad to rest. Um, and then the big game on Saturday night. I had a fantastic Sunday, mind you, though. Uh, up early for some Sunday doubles up there at Monday Park and then back for a little matinee lacrosse uh, between the Nighthawks and Riptide and then just planted myself, watched football the rest of the night. Danny made a fantastic dinner and just chilled, man. It was uh, a very enjoyable Sunday, which is why I kind of feel guilty about Monday because Sunday was Kind of virtually. (laughs) But yeah, so not much uh, else going on in the weekend. So why don't we get into this, Tino? A massive week number seven in the National Lacrosse. Oh, I should probably let the people know what's going on in the program. Uh, I kind of forgot to do that. Who you got? Week number eight coming up in quarter number four. Lax class locks. We didn't do so good. Last week, I've, I'm feeling a big bounce back this week, though, Tino. So, Lax Class Locks coming up in quarter three. We have number 16 of the Vancouver Warriors and brand new sponsor on the podcast. I figured what better time to get Mitchell Jones onto the program. Uh, talk about the, the new sponsorship. Talk about the Warriors' big win. And who knows what else uh, we'll talk to Mitch about. So, stay tuned for that in quarter number two. Stampede Stallions are coming up. Here in quarter number one, and uh, oh, Tino, I'm telling you, wait till you. Well, I don't want to spoil it for the fans, but uh, Stampede <laughs> Stallions are coming up, and uh, we got to talk about a bunch of games that went down in week seven. Speaking of going down, I went down in the standings of who you got this week as well, as it was. Uh, it was a tough go, man. It was it was a tough go. <laughs> go. But we do have a winner to announce uh for week number 7. I don't know if we should do that. Maybe we should do that now because uh sometimes I tend to f- to forget uh when we when we get to who you got. So maybe we'll do that now. Uh, as I'll pull Oh man. Just got logged out of my my account there. Uh I got it. I got it. This is excellent podcasting here. Uh congratulations. Nobody went Eight for eight, Tino. Nobody. This guy went seven for eight. Total of 31 points. Bunch of people actually went seven for eight, but this guy's confidence numbers. So the game that he lost was the difference in this because of his confidence number. Remy Hill. Van Raven won. Uh, I I don't know Remy. I don't know if maybe Remy knows me, but... uh, Clearly a listener of the podcast and player of who you got. And now Remy is a week seven champion. Overall standings, let's get you a quick update here. Tyler Turner is now atop all who you gotters, two T's, Tino, uh, with 148 points. Postman Rock, that's our buddy Eric De La Rocco, sitting in second. And Trevor Graham, my buddy there in Alberta, who's always in my Instagram DMs, is sitting in third place. Tino, do you have an idea who may be in fourth place? Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm looking at the standings right now, so you want me to just tell you? 
No, I'll, yeah, you can do it. You can do it. I'm pretty proud of this. I'm pretty proud. East Van Dam, which baby. just happens to be my significant other. You know that Wowie. is Danny right there, and sitting in fourth. Not that it should matter, but the highest female in in the group right now, and sitting in fourth place, just eight points out of overall first place. I couldn't be prouder <laughs> of my lady right there, East Van Dam. Way to go, Danny! Hey, uh, you're not you're not giving too much credit to me here. I'm in 95th, okay, well, top 100. Yeah, that's huge, <laughs> baby. Come on. Did you see where I am? <laughs> no, I can't even. I'm looking for you right now. I can't even find you. <laughs> uh, I'm in 99th. I am in 99th place. Dropped down 14 spots this week. Uh, I think it's you know I'm playing for pride at this point. I don't think I'm coming back anywhere near the top of the standings. Long way to go. It's been a battle. If this, it's not really. It doesn't matter how we do. This is about the listeners, Tino, the classmates and, and their participation and them having fun and them having success. This isn't about us, although I had a little bit of a sleepless night knowing how bad I suck. <laughs> at, uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, so we'll see what happens this week. Uh, lighter week, I think, what, we got only four games coming up for week number eight. So let's take a look back here at week number seven. And like I mentioned, two games on Friday night and they both finished with identical scores. And not only that, but they both went to overtime, which I saw Graham put up a a tweet, an NOL fact of the day about, I think it's the first time that two teams or two games have finished with the identical score, both going to overtime in NOL history, if I'm not mistaken. So that was pretty cool. What wasn't cool uh, for my picks was that Albany was the team to win in overtime as Kieran McCurdle spoils the, the kitchen party there in Halifax in OT 11-10. Firewolves, and I, I don't know what I was thinking here because, you know, Dougie makes his return, and I, and I said it, Glenn Clark just knows something about this Halifax team and had a game plan for them. I don't know if anybody plays the Thunderbirds tougher than than Albany and you look at the two rosters and you think to yourself this really shouldn't be that close of a game but there's Albany in overtime and and you got to start believing in the Firewolves. Yeah, I think generally speaking I still think that Halifax is a better team. But as that game went along and Albany find found themselves, you know, like chipping away leads here and there and tying the game and stuff, the longer that the game progressed like that, the more it kind of had this sense of like, oh man, Albany's gonna Albany's gonna win this game, mm-hmm. and especially going into overtime, I remember thinking on the possession that they ended up scoring on. I just remember feeling like Albany kind of had this like swagger in their step uh, with the way they defended the first possession and then got over center, um, and then rather quickly ended the overtime. I just remember thinking as they were approaching that offensive set, um, they're going to Albany, Albany's going to win this game. And, you know, like credit to Dougie and all and credit to Warren Hill as well. I, I mentioned last week, something seems a little bit off with Warren still. I don't think we've seen him at a hundred percent. Well, the fact, you know, that he didn't play on the back-to-back situation, a divisional game against Toronto, kind of tells you that they kind of, they'd loaded up for, for the first game of that, that back-to-back weekend and did everything they could to win that one, knowing probably that 
that Warren wasn't going to start on Saturday because whatever's going on with Warren obviously won't allow him to play in back-to-back nights. Generally speaking, yeah, I agree with you. But I also think, I mean, we've talked about this a ton over in San Diego as well. I, I kind of wonder if we're starting to see a little bit of a switch where, hey, Warren Hill was great at the beginning of last season, fizzled out and ended up with with some sort of injury as, as far as I'm aware. I wonder now if we're seeing, hey, we have this capable backup. Let's lighten the load a little bit on Warren, and we'll try to extend that, like his strong play, into the later parts of the season. And I think in in the first game of the weekend against Albany here, I think Warren Hill looked pretty good. The only issue was Dougie looked just as good, if not better. Better, better. So better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll be good on Albany. They get past the Halifax Thunderbirds on the weekend. Uh, these two teams, I know they played in week one and it was a, it was a blowout victory for Saskatchewan, but man, oh man, do the rush and mammoth ever play good lacrosse games against each other. And this one was no exception. Six, six after halftime, nine, nine after three, 10, 10 after four. And they go to overtime in Denver, Colorado and Reese Dutch, just clutch Dutch. Once again, Dutchy gets the game winner in overtime. I'm looking at the box score right now. They still got Reese Dutch in a San Diego Seals uniform. On a, <laughs> so they need to clean that up. But uh, Dutchy, the high man, seven points in that game. Mammoth get done. Robinson keeps his hot play going. Dylan Ward doing Dylan Ward things. Abuke was no slouch either. This was just a kind of a tooth and nail game that really could have gone either way. The rush now two and two, two wins and two overtime losses for Saskatchewan, but two and two, there they are. Yeah. And what I love about this matchup, like we talked about, I think it was the previous week was the Colorado Calgary game. And we all love that matchup. Like, of course we all love that matchup. This one is, it's like one a one B like these are two unbelievable matchups. And and what I love about this one is there was a never, there was never a run of more than two goals Mm -hmm. before the next team would respond. And I mean, Zed Williams gets back into the lineup, puts up a casual hat trick, like no big deal. You know, like, I I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, it's bad broadcasting. I don't know what to say here. This is just like, I, I want to see a seven game series between (laughs) these two teams. I want to see them beat the hell out of each other. Seriously. And and it could I mean it's not going to get seven games, but I mean there is a, we're early in the in the goings here, but that I could easily see those two teams playing a pretty important playoff game come April June sort of thing. totally. And and I know like just to jump in here, Jumbo, I, I mentioned this off the air to you, or we brought this up off the air, mm. um, just in terms of of the rush. Um, huge credit to them and how they're organizing their broadcast in in a way games. Yeah, Cody with, on the jam, the Jan Sider is uh is making the trips with the rush. He's he's doing a radio broadcast through their app and it's kind of nice to to have he's doing pregame, he's doing postgame. And I saw you tweet it out like more teams, never mind more teams, Tino. Every team should be doing this. Every one, team. I know 100%. there's cost there's cost involved with with sending somebody on the road to do these types of things, but the more you can engage your fan base and when you're doing a radio call, you can slant things a little bit towards the home team as well. But just to give the, the people like yourself that, you know, drive for a living or are out in the road or traveling or not near a, you know, whatever, give them another outlet 
to consume your product. And the Saskatchewan, Buffalo has a radio broadcast. Rochester has a radio broadcast. Albany has a radio broadcast. So there's teams out there doing it. I don't want to just, you know, say, like, Saskatchewan's the only team doing this. But every team should be doing this. Yeah, I, like, in all, and just to be completely honest, I was so frustrated driving to work Friday night because, uh, like, the, the game starts, uh, the Halifax game started, like, half an hour, an hour before I have to start my drive. Mm. So now if I want to continue to consume the game, I have to put on the TSN broadcast on my phone and just let the audio come and play through my Apple CarPlay, which, like, I don't have an issue doing that. Like, obviously, the broadcast quality is good. But, man, like, I'm wasting my data here. Like, (laughs) let me listen to it on the radio. What's the issue with, like, okay, obviously there's costs involved and stuff. And I just think, like, it's such a a waste of a cool opportunity and, and the rush, they have like a post game show and everything too. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't I, know. How... You know, I, t- I tell you what, like I would be more than, than happy to, to hop on the road with the warriors and, and be calling games on six fifty or whatever it is, you know, for, for people that, that can't tune in. So, you know, something to think about. And, and I just, I liked your take. I like the tweet and, and I'm glad you kind of brought that up. Let's move along, Tino. We've got a lot of games to talk about here. Toronto Rock. Uh, there's probably a, several puns I could use, but they hammered the Thunderbirds here. There's, there's no other way to put this. They just stomped on them, pumped them for seven in the fourth quarter, go away winning this one 17 to eight. What are we looking at here? You know, fairly tight first half, but just nothing in the tank, it looked like, for Halifax against the Rock, who, you know, kind of had that down game, but they've bounced back in a big-time way here, put up 17 against Halifax, looked good doing it, and the Halifax Thunderbirds go 0-2 this weekend, and Toronto gets a real convincing win. Yeah, the the second half of a back-to-back, like you see a lot of teams here and there. Like if, if they have two games in a weekend, it'll be a Friday and a Sunday having to play Friday and Saturday is obviously brutal. And I think generally speaking, as unfortunate as this sounds, most people were probably expecting a Halifax lost or loss. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just, you're exactly right. They, they just didn't really have anything in the tank. It, it felt like, especially going into the fourth quarter, they were kind of in a similar position as they were in, in the playoffs last year against Toronto, where, they kind of laid an egg for the first three quarters of the game, at least the first half. And then in that playoff game, we saw them mount this huge comeback in this one. I mean, to put up only three goals in a quarter to Toronto is like, what is this? Four five, six, seven. Uh, like, I don't know. I, it's I a have little a ton concerning. Of... It's a little concerning. Totally. It is. To, and, and yeah. I'm, I said a few weeks ago that these next handful of games were really important for Halifax to to show everybody that this is different. This year is different than last year. And like again, two games in a weekend is really tough. But this early in the year, I don't think you can use that as an excuse, Tino. Like I really I, don't. And it's not like you know you're going from the the East Coast to the West Coast or changing. T- you know, like yeah, I think you gained an hour going from Halifax to Toronto, so that shouldn't have been an issue. A lot of those guys are from the area. And just laid an egg. And it happens, right? Like teams will do that throughout a year. You're gonna they're not all gonna be Picassos as far as how you perform. But after coming off an overtime loss, it just seemed like they were defeated before they even got to Hamilton. It it just seems like 
I'm I'm concerned about this Halifax team. You know what I mean? Like so far this script, like we've seen this script before. This is this is the same generally speaking as last year. Um, and it's not like we can just it's we can't just brush this aside and say, oh, it's early in the season. Like we can't say that. Well, anymore. I don't know. I I don't want to get carried away because they have looked pretty impressive early. It's one game, right? It's on a back to back and. Yeah, they lost two in a row. I mean, that overtime, anytime you go to overtime in the NLL, anything can happen. So if it the trend continues, like next week and the week beyond, then I, then my eyebrows are, are raising up. But right now, like, I just think I just file that one in the garbage as a bad performance, lackluster, whatever you want to call it, and, and move on here if you're the Halifax Thunderbirds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you're you're not wrong. I'm just I'm I'm cautious is all. Is I that, hear you. That's that's what I'll say. I'm I cautious about Halifax. I'm I'm kind of cautious about the Philadelphia Wings as well as you know they are kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team too. Some weeks they look fantastic, other weeks not so much. And this past week, a real opportunity for Philadelphia slips through their fingers. And I don't want to disrespect Panther City because. They're a good lacrosse team, and they proved that this weekend going into Philadelphia and getting a win. But if you're the Wings, you have to look at this as a disappointment in this loss here. And it sparked some changes for head coach and GM Paul Day as well. As they go out and acquire Tate Catoni, and they release veteran Corey Vitarelli after a 12-10 Panther City win, which I think this is going to give this team a whole bunch of confidence going you know into the east road game coming off a loss and then beating philadelphia what did i see earlier today panther city put out patrick dodds one of the fastest players in nll history to hit 100 points as oh. uh he had one and four in that game for five i think malcolm yeah he led all scorers with four and three but Panther City kind of getting it done by committee, as they often do, and in pretty solid performance there from Nick Damood. Yeah, uh, Nick Damood uh, making 40 saves on the night. Uh, and, and I like I like your usage of the word opportunity when you're describing this at the beginning, because, I mean, going into halftime, Philly's up in this game 6-2. to two. Like, not that that's a huge stretch of a lead, but you have an opportunity. Game you should win. Game you should you, win. And you have an opportunity to kind of step on the throat of an opponent that's, you know, now coming into halftime, like they need a big intermission speech. They need to come out and have a good performance or else, you know, things could happen here. And that exact situation kind of reversed, you know, when when Philly has the opportunity to step on their throat, Panther City starts doing their thing by committee, like you said. And and was, was it Will Malcolm or Tony Malcolm that put up the seven points? Uh, Will Malcolm. Yeah. Just starts shooting the lights out. Oh, Jonathan did Johnville. you see the – sorry, Tina, but did you no, see the video of Malcolm? I don't know who – I think it might have been uh, Isaiah Davis Allen. He just, like, broke his ankles in half. I did see that. <laughs> that was – Man, just watch that on repeat over and over. That's a tough look for yeah. any defense. I, I think it was the lax mag. Somebody was like, "Arrest this man for murder." That's <laughs> <laughs> like pretty good, pretty good. So um, yeah, Panther City. I, I was just gonna, and my last point there, Jonathan Donville. Like, mm. I, I think like expectations for him coming into the season were huge, 
And, and I don't think he's necessarily like blown anybody out of the water, not to disrespect his performance so far, but I think he's pretty much consistently put up two or three points in every game. And I think you're seeing his, like everybody talks about his, how high his lacrosse IQ is. And I think you're kind of seeing that in how he's contributing. Like he doesn't necessarily need to have like a seven point game every other game. No, I don't think he cares one way or the other, whether he has 10 points or zero points. He just wants to win games and he's finding his way. And I think they're completely happy with the job that Johnny Donville has done so far. And he's going to get more and more comfortable. The points are going to keep going up and up and up, and he's only going to get better. Some rust to knock off there for Donville as well. You know, he's been playing a lot of lacrosse, but not box lacrosse and not box lacrosse in the National Lacrosse League, which is a big step up, man. Like, you just don't step into that league and dominate, which we've kind of seen with, you know, a sophomore in this league over there in Long Island the past couple of games as well, right? So... We'll talk about that here momentarily, but let's move along here from Panther City and head for Buffalo as the return matchup between the Bandits and Georgia goes down. Buffalo, they do enough. They get by Georgia once again, only by two this time in a very low-scoring battle, even through halftime, and just a goal better in, in the third and fourth here for the Bandits. But faceoffs were even, shots just about even, pretty low penalty game as well. Josh Byrne with over half of Buffalo's goals here as he scores six out of the 11 for the double deuces. And uh, that spurs them on. Lyle can only do so much here. Six points for Dejo Sanunde, but not enough for Georgia, who still have not found the win column yet. And you wonder, like, how long John Arlotta is going to stay patient? Like, is this, like, how does he feel right now? We had him on the podcast prior to the season, and, He said it like every year is win the championship. That's the goal. And that seems like it's pretty far off in the distance right now for the swarm. Yeah. I'm wondering if I think you're bang on. I wonder how long this can continue before they start moving more towards the mindset of this season is a little bit of a wash. Let's start accumulating some draft picks. He's done it before. He's done it before. And it worked out to a championship in 2017 with, which happened to land them Lyle and miles. And, but what I do like about this effort from Georgia, I think this was a, this is obviously a very desperate Georgia team. Um, and you know, like they're buff. I mean, there's your hot take again. Buffalo's pretty good. Um, but to, to head into halftime or into, into the second half being tied with this team when you're playing, desperate lacrosse i think that's something that georgia can maybe try to build on you know if they can if i mean they have to continue with the mindset of of our backs are up against the wall because they're what they're they're zero and four um so they they quite literally have to keep that mindset seeing what they've what they were able to produce with brett dobson in the net as well making i think he had 45 saves he's just two off matt vince had 47 yeah I think this is that's something that they can build off of a little bit. If they can if they can hang with Buffalo for the most part with their backs up against the walls, that's a positive that you can take. I yeah, think. I think they have to kind of look at it like that, right? Yeah, they haven't won a game yet, they're own four, but two of their games have been been against the Bandits, who might be the best team in the league. And, you know, they're gonna get some lesser competition coming their way and, and some opportunities to win some games. How about the scrap between Brad McCulley and Adam Wiedemann, who Wiedemann they square off, you know, their gloves off, helmets off, square off, and Wiedemann lands 
an early one, McCully answers right back and tagged Wiedemann with a good one. And then it was kind of wrestling and, and went down. It was a pretty rough and tumble weekend as a whole. Like, things got pretty nasty in Philadelphia and Panther City. It got really nasty between Toronto and, and Halifax. And it just seemed like the, I don't know, the, the, the nasty factor just ramped up in, in week number seven. Yeah, and I love that too. We're seeing how intense these every one of these games are, and everybody playing for pride at a certain point too. Like in some of these games that are not close in the Toronto Halifax situation, like you're seeing some of these Halifax guys say like, "All right, fine, you're going to beat us on the scoreboard. Well, we're going to send a message for the next time that we play you guys. This is it's not going to be the same." And uh, I love it. It's building rivalries. It's continuing to build rivalries, and and um, I'm here for it. San Diego goes to Calgary, and unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of this game as I was preparing to to do the Vancouver game and on the road and all the rest of it, but it looked like Curtis Dixon showed up in it, and not much else for the San Diego Seals. Dobie had a hat trick. They just didn't get enough from kind of everybody else. Tino, I don't know if you saw who started this game in goal for San Diego. Oh, I don't know who. I'm just looking at the minutes here. I I didn't get to watch this one either. I saw Chris Riglieri got the bulk of it. Did, um, so did I, I'm wondering here because I'm looking at the same thing, and I don't know if Frankie started this game and didn't make it in five minutes before he was pulled, or whether Orig started and Frankie finished off the last five minutes. Well, I mean, maybe maybe one of some of the listeners can can help us out there, but. If that is the case, and I'm not saying it is because obviously I, I didn't, I, this wasn't one of the games that I watched, but if that was the case, that shows how incredibly short of a leash yeah. Frankie's on right now, yeah. which is a little bit dicey. 14-10 Calgary. I really should have known better. Pick against Calgary, uh, coming back home where they are just such a good team. You know what a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but some are starting to talk about is Shane Simpson for transition player of the year. How about this kid? Maybe the fastest player end to end, you know, in the entire national lacrosse league, three goals, two assists for Simmer. And this kid can fly and then he can finish when he gets his opportunities. And, that is when Calgary is at their best, when they use their speed and transition game, especially at home. They are a dangerous, dangerous lacrosse team, and they beat San Diego undefeated no more are the Seals, which, you know, might be a good thing for them. What they go out of the gate last year? Eight and one, nine and one, something like that. So maybe an early loss on the year is, is a good thing for San Diego, and that's a real big win for Calgary. You know, what's so funny is so my like YouTube algorithm for the past, like however many months, probably like six months has been feeding me old uh, lacrosse highlight videos from uh, from the Langley Event Center. Fun. So, yeah. So I'm watching these games. Most of them you're calling uh, from like <laughs> even six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Jake's Ted, and, baby. Yeah. And I was watching one recently from, I forget what year it was, but it was the, uh, it was one of the Minto cup finals where I think it was six nations versus, uh, Coquitlam mm-hmm. in the LEC. And I see I this, uh, Simpson. Well, but I didn't know it at the time. So like this kid is like flying yeah. down the floor, yeah. grabs a loose ball, like it's center. 
And I'm watching this going like, this is the fastest kid I've ever seen. Who is this? Like, what what, what happened to this guy? And then I hear you say Shane Simpson. I was like, oh, my God, of course it's Shane Simpson. Yeah. Who would have guessed? And then, of course, he does his dip and dunk for a goal over Del Bianco. But real. Yeah. I was, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Maybe the fastest kid alive. You know, that scene from uh, from Superbad when uh, the cop is, like, panting. He's like, he's a freak. He's the fastest kid alive. That's Shane Simpson. Good one. I like it. Yeah, man. I man, I think back to that 2014 series. Coquitlam had the two nothing lead, and <laughs> you know they're two wins away from Minto Cup. Six Nations comes back and reverse sweeps them four nothing after that, and it all kind of turned on a Trevor Stacy hit that just absolutely lit up Jean Luc Chetner coming out of the penalty box, turning his head the wrong way, and just got his clock cleaned. And no response from Coquitlam in the, in that moment, and that was when Six Nations knew that they had him. And I just I, I'll, I'll never forget that. If there's ever a way to get you on a tangent, it's yeah. bring up old Minto cups that you oh, called. <laughs> I, I got a long laundry list right there. All right, uh, we got to keep moving though, Tino. We're moving forward here, and we're moving to Rogers Arena as the final game on Saturday night goes down. Second home game for Vancouver, of course. Uh, man, I don't even think. Well, the news came down literally after we pressed stop on the record button, which tends to happen when we do this on a Monday, Tino. But general manager of the Vancouver Warriors, no longer Dan Richardson, as they mutually part ways um, after an 0-4 start for the Warriors. And I, this is tough, right? Because, you know, Dan's a friend of the program. He's a friend of mine and, and obviously brought me into Vancouver after a couple of years. And and it, it was kind of tough to see the news. I don't know if it was all that unexpected. Like, you think about it, it's it's professional sports. It's a win league, win now league. And there just hasn't been enough of it in Vancouver. And, you know, some holes are just a little too deep to dig out of in a certain amount of time. And I just kind of feel like that that group ran out of time. They just couldn't dig fast enough to get out of that hole. And... You add on to it with, with Dan's heart scare um, a few weeks ago and his health concerns. This was probably the right move for both parties at the right time to, you know, have Dan step away. He came out of retirement to take the job, and I think he'll be just fine going back into retirement to not do the job and give an opportunity to somebody else to kind of take the reins now and see if they can push this team to where it needs to go. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think this is something that that can benefit both sides, Dan included, obviously. But there's no mistaking here as well. Whoever the next person is that takes the job over, as long as the bulk of these core players are here, if the Warriors have any success, Dan Richardson's stamp is still on this team. Yeah, got to stick to the plan a little bit, right? Like he's the the foundation. I think he put a real good foundation in place, and now it's kind of the next wave has to come here. The winning has to start pretty darn soon. Let's not forget they're going to get Owen Grant in their lineup next year, and, and I mean, he is going to be a big-time difference maker. But I think maybe what the biggest difference will be is the experience that these young goaltenders are going to get the rest of the year here in Vancouver, and Aiden Walsh and probably Ethan Woods uh, is going to see some time here as well, that – it is going to pay off huge for these guys. It may 
be some growing pains here and, and, and some tough times throughout the year with those two young goaltenders. But, man, is it ever going to help them for the rest of their careers, you know, leading into next year as well. Yeah, I was actually just talking to somebody at, at work uh, earlier today that was at the game. He's a season ticket holder. And uh, he was telling me – he and I completely agree with him. He was saying it was a shaky start for Walsh, but he thought that he settled in really nicely, which I completely agree with. And I think that right there is – if you're ever looking for any, like, shining light on the fact that this is a a brand new, like, rookie into the league, kind of a baby-faced kid in, in that regard – it's that he needs a little bit of time to, you know, settle into the game. So if, if this is kind of looked at as a stepping stone, then let's see what next game looks like. Assuming that he gets the start again, yeah. is he, is Got he a little it. bit more? Yeah. Is he a little bit more better prepared? And then can he sus- sustain that for the long run? So uh, we'll see here, but yeah, I agree with you. I think this is going to be the development now specifically of Aiden Walsh. Yeah has to be one of the biggest priorities for this Warriors team. Man, I tell you, you know, he may not stop everything that that comes his way, but he battles. Like, he battles to make stops and doesn't seem to get too flustered when goals go by him either. Like, I I never like the fact, and I know it's kind of part of his ritual, but Steve Fryer, when he would get scored on, would take a big walk to the corner and kind of stomp around and take a big turn and walk back, like... I just I love the goaltenders that just turn around, fish it out, flip it to the ref, and reset immediately. You know what I'm saying there? And and Aiden Walsh really kind of seems to do that. And I just think he's got the right temperament, the right mental makeup to be a real good goalie in this league. And and he's only going to get better. And I think a bright future ahead of him. So I'm excited to see Ethan Woods play some lacrosse as well. Uh, Zach Greer had a, a nice game for, for Vegas, five points. I didn't even notice this calling this game, but Rob Hellyer had 10 assists. Like, that just popped off the page of me. I didn't, couldn't even, uh, I never even thought about that when I was calling that game. So 11 points total for Hellyer. Uh, Mitch Jones with six assists. Keegan Ball with five goals. Uh, but I, we talk about it all the time. You know, I, I think a huge difference in this game, once again, was Tyrell Hamer Jackson, who, you know, when you're going on a run and you're winning draws, helps you keep the momentum. And when a, you get scored on and you win a draw, it helps stop the momentum. And Tyrell did a fantastic job of that on Saturday night, 25 for 37 in the faceoff dot. And I thought he was a huge catalyst to helping Vancouver get this highest scoring game of the entire year. 35 goals on the board. Felt bad for the stats people trying to record <laughs> all this. 1916 Warriors beat the Desert Dogs here and, and get their first win. I, I need to mention, I've been thinking about this all day in mm. preparation for recording. Okay. That flip pass from Sean Evans <laughs> yeah. to Keegan Ball is outrageous. They ran it like four times. The I know, and it, I I don't know if it worked all. It for sure. Well, worked they did twice. something different each time that they did it. Right, one time he had duck underneath, one time he came over top, one time he drove, one time he shot. So there's obviously some options off it, but the, yeah, that was effective. The little flipper. The the first one when uh, it, it's like a flip pass and Keegan Ball is coming full speed downhill and then does the crease dive driving underneath. Like how many times? If you're trying to defend that, how many times have we seen that from Sean Evans in, in you know, whether it's in uh, the summer leagues or whatever, when he's 
engaging his defender and his hand is up high on the stick. Like he he's in full cradle mode, but we still see him quickly flip it inside to somebody. Yeah. We've seen that a million times. So as a defender, you have to expect that. And I think that's why we saw the double team starting to come over. And then this, this deceptive nature in which he does a half cradle and then just flips it straight in the air without even looking in the direction of Keegan ball, who was already in full flight downhill. It was unbelievable. It was over in a blink of an eye and my jaw was just to the floor. Pretty exceptional. I mean, the amount you have 35 goals, you're going to get some highlight real goals in a game, but I mean, you had the, the kill in, backhander the Evans backhander the the ball dive that like the Jones dunk like there was all sorts of things going on in this game that were just eye-popping stuff so real fun game to call it was great to get back up in the booth with Bradley and uh, Rogers arena I still kind of got to pinch myself every now and then when I get up into the Jim Bro- Robson broadcast gondola and think to myself like am I actually here doing this right now like <laughs> you know when you're an eight-year-old kid and you're listening on the radio to a Canucks game thinking I want to do that one day and yeah I'm not calling a Canucks game but just to be in the building in the booth and you know where some legends have passed through it it, it kind of blows my mind every every time I get to do it. Yeah. And you're going to get to do it in a couple of weeks from now. So you better believe it, uh, baby. Big big night from Kyle Killen. It was good to see him get off the schneid. Chase Scanlon gets uh, not his only his first, but his first two goals of his pro career. And uh, Jones and, and Keegan Ball do their thing. And that's what Vancouver needs to be successful. That formula right there. They're probably going to have to outscore their their deficiencies a little bit. Maybe not 19, but. They're going to have to get big-time offensive production and then just try and stay out of the penalty box and, and play a lot of five-on-five lacrosse because penalty kill is a bit of an issue right now. Vegas, I think, went five for six on the power play, and, and you can't be letting teams do that. But Vancouver wins. Those two teams are going to play again on Friday night. We'll talk about that in quarter four. But one more game to kind of recap here, Tino, and it was a Sunday Sunday lacrosse. I love nothing more. Then Sunday lacrosse and Rochester and New York hook it up in Long Island. And I thought, you know, after a subpar performance from Showtime and Teeter, their, their previous week, that vaunted riptide offense that just gave teams fits last year. You know, they go out and they acquire some defense and, and they get rid of Jake Fox and they go pick up Jed Cummings and, you know, they get rid of Jim Feldman and some changes there. You thought, okay, like, this team is going to be hungry, motivated, break up this Nighthawks perfect season. Nighthawks, baby. I I am officially on board here with the Nighthawks. Maybe not this week, Tino, because you know, <laughs> we'll see. But you can't deny it. They're the only team left undefeated in the National Lacrosse League. 5-0. and oh. Dan Carey and company deserve a buttload of credit here for what they've been able to do. But I think the biggest story of it all has got to be the play of Rylan Hartley, who just continues to get it done here, holds the rip tied to eight goals. Rochester win on the road, 11-8, five in a row, break up the Nighthawks. And, I mean, what else can you say about Connor Fields now as well? The guy misses a week on his honeymoon, comes back. I mean, I would I would love to have seen what the – the over under was on on fields goals but yeah. natural hat trick in the Four second quarter 13 shots on goal yeah 
And I mean, realistically, the second quarter is is the difference in this game. This is an even game for the most part, give or take a, a goal or two in quarters one, three, and four. Right. The, the second quarter is when is when Rochester goes on this four and zero run. Three of the goals coming in a row from Fields, and that ends up being ultimately the difference maker. They they win by what they win by three goals. I think wasn't the yeah. final eleven eight. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Under- I had the riptide and, and the over, you know. <laughs> it's uh it's thought, like you said last week. I thought there week. was gonna be a gold fest. I really did. It, like you said last week when we were doing who you got, you said like uh, that you, you can't you can't bet against San Diego if they haven't lost yet. Yeah. And that's kinda how I feel with Rochester. Like I know they're going up against Buffalo here this weekend, but they haven't lost oh, yet. Man, I know unreal. I know, and you know, Buffalo just getting past Georgia didn't look particularly dominant doing it so yeah you might sway me on that man uh, you know mind you that i think they're going on the road into buffalo for that game are they not or is it in rochester might be in rochester that might be the determining factor right there we, we got time to think about it tino uh but what we don't have time to is to dilly dally around because uh partner it's time to head for the stampede tax stables Oh, Nay, nay. No, no, I'm not accepting that, Tino. One more. <laughs> what? Come on. Come on. Okay, hang on. Wait, what if I do that? <laughs> what if I do that? What if I do the clicking? Oh, yeah. You can work that. I forgot, forgot to do that. <laughs> All right, never mind. But what? I, I don't know if the people. Should I play it again? Let's play it again. <laughs> <laughs> So you just heard the sound effect again, and uh, it's it's growing, Tino. The craze is starting to build here. I, <laughs> I got about four or five submissions of well, the classmates submitting their horse noises to me. I've kind of pieced it all together there. This thing is just going to keep growing. So thanks to everybody that, that's participated so far. I want more horse noises. <laughs> Lacrosse classified at gmail.com. Five, ten seconds of you giving me your best. I'm not going to name names and whose noise is whose. Uh, but Challoner sounds like a turkey. I'll just say that. Uh, but I want I want more horse noises. I want like 10, 15, 20 more. And I want to make this thing like the best thing ever. So keep the horse noises coming. Lacrosse classified at Gmail. Dot com. Send them to me and, and be a part of the show forever. You're going to get put right into the to the sound effect, and you'll live in infamy heading for the Stampede Stables. Uh, Tino, you're the co-host, so you get to go first. Stallion of the Week, please. 
Oh, baby. Here we go. All right. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna slap on the wrist here because I'm going giving it to uh, Whack on the a peepee, losing we'll effort. Call it Whack on Whack the peepee because yeah. I'm giving it to someone in a losing effort. But uh, I'm going with Eric Fennell, mm. and he's quickly becoming one of my favorite players in, in the entire league. And so last week, I compared Kyle Buchanan to uh, Ryan Kessler back in the days uh, when he was with the Canucks in the 2011 run. Eric Fennell, the more I watch this guy as a big body with a heavy shot, but even better hands inside. Can you guess who I'm going to say that reminds me of in terms of the Canucks? Todd Bertuzzi. Todd Bertuzzi. <laughs> okay. How, like, we we saw last week a couple one-handed grabs as he's tiptoeing the crease. He constantly is diving through. Yeah. He can get inside. He sets these unreal picks. And then he's also got this heavy outside shot as well. And over the weekend, so was this in one game, he's got five loose balls. The next game, he's got 10 loose balls. The only statistical category on here that he didn't have any numbers in is blocks and cause turnovers. But, you know, fair enough. He's an old guy that doesn't get stuck on defense that often. Like, fair enough. A couple cause turnovers would have been nice, but no blocks I can I can live with. But Eric Fennell, I find so often when Halifax needs some sort of momentum swing, a lot of times he's very involved in that momentum swing. And like I said, quickly becoming one of my favorite players in the league. I can get down with that. And dad was a heck of a lacrosse player, Team Canada member, and, and Steve Fennell back in his day. And he comes by. A, did you know that Eric Fennell used to be a goaltender? Tina? I heard that. Yeah, what in the world? I did not know that either. Uh, much like Paul Dawson didn't start his playing career until much later in life and then figured out, hey, maybe I can do this. Off to Ohio State he goes, and the Ohio State, sorry. And uh, the rest is history, man. He's 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 just keeps getting better. We talked about Eric Fennell with, with Kurt uh, a couple months ago saying, like, he's taken a huge leap last year, and it just looks like the trajectory is, is continuing to go upwards for Eric Fennell. Good-looking player, man. 0-2, oh, so, you know, Patches Gregoire is not going to be too happy with your stallion pick, Tino. Go picking a guy that went 0-2 on the weekend as your, your stallion of the week. But you and Patches can can sort that out. I'm going with a guy that picked up a win this weekend. I'm going with a guy that became only the third player in league history to eclipse 600 penalty minutes. I'm going with a guy that moved into ninth place in all-time goal scoring. He had a hat trick to 462 to go along with, I want to say, 1,305 points in NLL scoring. Uh, All-time man cup leader in scoring. Sean Evans, if you haven't figured it out by now, is my stallion of the week. And Brad kind of, you know, he kept talking about it. Sean Evans in this Vancouver offense. And just don't try and do too much. Fit in. Do what you need to do to to help the offense be successful. And I thought he did just that, right? Like, he didn't take a whole shitload of selfish shots. He was distributing the ball. He was creating opportunity. Didn't take any stupid penalties. Like, he just, he played a, a heck of a game on a big night for him personally and most important, Deshaun Evans got the victory, which they desperately needed. And I made the comment kind of down the stretch in the fourth quarter when it started to get a little dicey for Vancouver as Vegas was making their run that this is where having a guy like Evie in your lineup, the impact of him being in that situation 
hundreds of times and knowing what it takes to, to get to the finish line, that's where the importance of having a guy like Sean Evans plays such a big factor. Yeah, that, that veteran presence. And, and I, I love that about how he just kind of needs to fit in to the offense and not do too much. I mean, we saw that on the score sheet here, three goals, but five assists as well. Yeah. I think for the most part, we only really saw him, you know, like throw something significant on the goal in situations where, you know, you'd be dumb not to shoot here. Yeah. And and he cashes in for the most part, he was acting as a distributor. And well, we you think about it, Tino, you think about it with his 1305 points. If the guy's got 462 goals, the rest are assists. So predominantly, he's been more of a distributor than a shooter in his entire career. Yeah, but we finally saw what this offense looks like when when Sean Evans is is having a Sean Evans game. Yeah. And now the, the the big test is now can we see some consistency consistency as a whole from this team including Sean Evans, but what a huge step and and confidence builder for this team as a whole now. When when Sean Evans is is engaged as he was and, and he's showing his leadership on and off the floor, we see how dangerous this offense can be, and 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 I'm here for it. Yeah, they set down Riley Lowen for that game as Adam Charlambides got back in, and and I thought he was pretty effective too. And you're right, like everybody was just kind of clicking that night. Logan, Mitch, Beads, all Scanlon. I mean, they are they all played well. So uh, you know, he put up 19 goals. Something's going right, and I don't see Vancouver kind of changing up the formula come Friday. Night. So Eric Fennell and Sean Evans are this week's Stampede Stallions of the Week. Welcome to the stable, boys. Uh, Stampede Tech and Western Wear, proud sponsors of the Stallion of the Week. And it's a new year, so why not get a new pair of boots for 2023? The best boots available anywhere are at Stampede Tech, including Blundstone, CSA-approved styles for both men and women. Many styles to choose from, sizing all the way from ladies 6 up to men's 14. They got those big flippers. Day, night, they got styles for everybody. Weight, comfort in your boots. Always have a good pair of boots. You can get them at Stampede Tack and Western Wear out there in Cloverdale. Highway 10, 180th. They've been there since 1966. Tino, do the math on that. 2023 minus 1966. How many? How many years is that? Can you, can you repeat that again? I was 2023 like minus 1966. It's like 43 years. Is that right? 57. A little 50. off. <laughs> <laughs> I just seared <laughs> myself there. That's a long time. Over half a century, Stampede Tack has been out there in the Dale. Go check them out. Get yourself a pair of boots. We are going to get ourselves to break here because we got Mitch Jones of the Vancouver Warriors coming up and Mitch Jones Realty for that matter. Stick around. Wax Class 218 is back after this. This is Kyle Buchanan and you're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lax Class. As we move into second quarter action here on Lax Class 218. Uh, here in quarter two, it's presented by Rycor Construction. They make it stand out at Rycor Construction. They've been doing it for over 15 years. All types of residential interior and exterior residential. Re- interior and exterior renovations, not reservations, whether it's kitchens, bathrooms, floorings, decks, or something as simple as a fence, 
RycorConstruction.ca is where you go or uh, check them out on Instagram, Facebook. I always love the before and the after pictures that, that they post up. It's amazing to see the work that they do. And uh, who knows? Maybe if you buy a, buy a place and it needs some renos, this, this synergy is just off the charts right now because you can buy a place through Mitch Jones and then uh, call up Rycor and they can do the rentals for you if, uh, if it's a fixer-upper. As we welcome back number 16 of the Vancouver Warriors and the Westminster Salmon Bellies, for that matter. I got a little call from the Bellies today. Maybe we'll talk about that uh, as well. Mitch, welcome back to Lax Class. Uh, congrats on the big W. Thank you. Adding value. That's what we call that in the real estate world, Jumbo. Adding value to a property. I'm sure Rycor uh, does plenty of that. Adding value. I like it. I'm learning already. Uh, we'll talk a little real estate here momentarily and uh, coming up a bit later in quarter number four as well. But uh, Warriors off the schneid here, Mitchell, as uh, they, they get the W, nineteen sixteen over Las Vegas and what was... Well, the highest scoring game of the year so far, and it was a, a lot of fun to call that one. I know. Do you like games like that where it's just an absolute shootout back and forth and just trading goals, or do you prefer a little tighter checking? I know you're an offensive guy, but you know what I'm saying here. What What's a game like that like to play in? Yeah, I mean, it, it feels it is a shootout. It feels like a shootout. I think, uh, yeah, as an offensive player, you like when they're dropping um you kind of keep your focus because you know maybe maybe they're not going to always be dropping like that so you want to you don't want to change your game plan or, or what you're doing too much if as long as the shots are going in but kind of be aware that even if they don't start drop or even if they stop dropping you gotta keep to the same stuff you're doing um yeah i mean finally get that first win i think it was a long time coming for this group that feels good um definitely some uh some good habits, but also some kind of stuff that we still need to clean up, especially in that second half. Um, and we get them right back again in down in Vegas. So uh, short week here, and uh, we're ready to go. I gotta, I gotta ask you about two things here before I let Tino jump in. First, is uh, are, you, are you still mad at Justin Salt for for having a toe in the back of the crease that didn't affect <laughs> the play whatsoever that that had one taken off the board for you, and and two. Are you still mad at yourself for for missing an empty netter from center with Watson looking the other direction and then uh, kind of taking a penalty after that in frustration? Yeah, I would say I'm more mad at myself. I I had the same play this summer. I guess I'm good at the hidden ball. It was so good. Like when I watched it, Mitch, I was like, oh, that was the perfect one because you had it up in the air just as you cross pass with like that is when the hidden ball trick works perfectly and you timed it so good like you can just kind of see ones that work better than others and that one was was on point yeah so i guess i'm pretty good at that part but i'm, I'm over two now on hitting uh the empty net or the course of the net so yeah i got a little got a little antsy or whatever you want to call it there and hooked it wide and then to double down on it uh took a penalty there which i watched the replay i don't think it should have been a penalty but nevertheless ended up in the box and yeah i was having some some dark thoughts there uh we're actually able to kill that one off so yes. that was nice that was Thanks the only one they killed off i think it was the only one we killed off that night but yeah that helped my mental game a little bit by killing that one off um and uh so yeah the diving goal i thought that that's a pretty darn good challenge by uh sean williams i'll say that All i right. learned a new rule too 
I guess you have to, it's establishing yourself outside of the crease. You got to put your foot down. Where do you come out on that, Mitch? Where, like, I know it's a cut and dry rule. Somebody's in the crease. It's no goal. But it's so, like, I I hate the fact that a, a highlight reel goal like that comes off the board due to a play that has absolutely no bearing on the outcome. Yeah, I, I know most of the crease rules. At first, I thought it was Evans because he had fell in the crease and then came over and played the ball. But uh, maybe it's recently biased. But I think like if you're completely outside the cylinder of the crease, I think you should be deemed outside of it. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you're staying in the crease and jumping up and down, you're still in it. But once you clear that line, I would think you're out of the crease. But yeah, I'll have a chat with Salty Practice about getting that foot down there, I guess. Tino, I got one quick, one more, one more quick. Have at her, man. Uh, what was the play that Troy tried to challenge, and they said you're not allowed to challenge it? Ooh, I guess I wasn't paying attention as much yeah. as I thought I was. Well, I just <laughs> found it really weird because he threw the flag out on, on a goal, and I was kind of like, what are they? Maybe they're challenging a, a first player to touch the ball going through the crease and then scoring. But the ref just like picked up and said, no, you're not allowed to challenge that. And I had no idea. And obviously you don't either. So uh, maybe I'll ask yeah. Troy that. I'm in the middle of the watching film here. If I know, I'll, uh, I'll send you a text and get back to you on that. Fair enough. You brought up Evans earlier. Uh, and obviously with it being a shootout, like tons of guys put up points. But Sean Evans puts up eight points of his own. Um, and kind of for the first time, we got to see your guys' offense when when Sean Evans is, is having himself a game. Like he's in one there. Um, but I want to ask you about more so like his veteran presence in a situation like the fourth quarter when Vegas is starting to mount a comeback and Sean Evans has obviously been in every situation imaginable. Is, is that something that he's kind of helping out with on the bench, like trying to relax guys a little bit or like, like what does he bring to you guys in those type of situations? For sure. Yeah. M- might not seem like it on the floor, but Evie's pretty calm and cool and collected. He, he's obviously seen it all and, and won it all and been in a lot of these situations um especially for a guy i run a little hot he can kind of he's a guy who can look at me and tell me hey you're right here but maybe let's let's calm down over here and i think that's good for me um and then just him playing well i know he had a tough injury um i mean the last time he played he was dominating the man cup and then he had that tough injury and as a 37 year old i'm sure it's uh sometimes a process to get back especially when it's a leg injury but we're looking forward to having him at full strength and continuing to play at a high level here with Mitch Jones of the Vancouver Warriors. And yeah, I think Evans is only going to get better as he gets even healthier here. And and he really kind of seemed to, to fit in to the Vancouver offense. And, you know, at certain points of the season so far, somebody would have a big night, but somebody would be off. And it really felt like Ball was going, Killen was going, you were going, Logan was going. Um, obviously, you put up 19 goals, but it, it seemed like the chemistry, the mix of the Vancouver offense really kind of came together that night. Yeah, I think, I mean, anytime you add any piece, but especially when it's a guy like Sean Evans, there's questions about chemistry or, or how's it going to look. Um, and I think from the beginning, we had a, a pretty positive outlook on how uh, Ball, Scanlon, Killen, Evans are going to look. They can all provide some different things. Maybe there's, a, and there will be some growing pains, but I mean, Keegan's a, a very, cerebral player and, and works extremely hard and and you can say the same thing about Evie so they're gonna they're gonna make find ways to make it work um and those other two guys uh Chase is, is getting better every game and and we know what Killer can do he's a he's a 40 goal scorer and, and it's good to see him get hot Charlotte um, Beatty's we didn't even mention Mitch who you know got a got a healthy and he got back into the to the lineup and I thought he was effective as well 
yeah, Bud's another guy. He's he's supremely athletic and he and he has a good shot. He can he's got good vision. He can do it all really. Um, I think the coaches challenged him a little bit to to focus on those loose balls and and get into the middle and all that stuff because his his skill is going to take over in a lot of the other areas of the game. Um, I think he's doing a good job of that. Um, yeah, we got a lot of pieces on our offense. I think. I mean, there's eight guys, if not nine or ten, that we believe in uh, that we're going to be using, and you can only use six or seven every night. So, some tough decisions, but I think it's a good thing and uh, good to see our offense kind of put one together like that. The goal is to to make it a consistent thing. I kind of want to bring up the elephant in the room a little bit here with the the recent departure of Dan Richardson, and and I'm not trying. I don't want any disrespect or anything thrown towards Dan Richardson, but now with last off season, we, you guys have had to deal with the departure of Chris Gill. And now Dan Richardson as well. I'm wondering to your guys's group, like whether it's the group chat or the vibe in the room, what's the response been since situations like that? Like, what does that what does that do to a room? Yeah, I mean, it can be it can be tough for players, um, and we can go on like guys like Steve Fryer and players in the past where where when you're not winning, um, there's changes being made, right? And it's not uh, whether you agree with the change or not. Those are those are your teammates your family members your guys who you've been through or with um i mean dan's the most recent one i've got a, i've been had a business relationship with him and the cross relationship for over 10 years now going back to the sand bellies so it's not not something you want to see as far as in the locker room like you feel those things you talk about them but i mean we we pretty quickly said to each other hey listen like it sucks but it's, it's also on us and it's business as usual we we got a job to do this isn't going to change our our week to week or our day-to-day right now we got to focus and come together and the other message is like hey like we're on four right now we're losing our gm who's been with us i mean if we go on 10 we're gonna we're gonna be losing a lot more right we're losing a lot more players and and there's gonna be changes to be had so it's on us um maybe use it as a as kind of a galvanizing point for us but uh yeah it's part of the business um and i mean we yeah we all have a lot of respect for dan what he did for our for our club in the last five years. And then uh, it's also, you know, exciting to move forward and, and sometimes a uh, change might be needed to kind of get a different perspective or just get guys uh, working together. And, and you mentioned as we're here with Mitch Jones, a couple of changes that, that have been made is, is one is Steve Fryer. So in comes Aiden Walsh and man, the, the youngster gets his, his first victory. I know he got the, the warrior vest and, and, you know, Troy got a game ball and he talked about galvanizing Mitch, and I think a guy that kind of galvanizes that room for for what he is and the role he plays is, is Hammer. And man, what do you go twenty five for thirty seven? And you know he's he's never going to be a, a defensive stud in this league, but what he brings to the table on the turf, getting possessions, and then kind of the vibe that I think that he brings into that locker room and out onto the turf with you guys, I think has been a big factor for you guys since the return of of Hammer. Sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people know Hammer uh, through social media and, and kind of the content energy he brings there. A lot of people know him personally as well. And he brings a huge amount of energy for us. He brings possessions for us. He, uh, I mean, I'm coming off, off the bench or off the floor a lot of times and he's right there telling me, hey, good shift or, or way to do this, way to do that. So he's, uh, he's a guy who brings a lot of energy and kind of lifts our spirits and um yeah very 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 happy to hammer on our side how about the young goaltender mitch uh you know 16 he lets in but gets his first nll victory and i i made the comment off the top like he just seems to battle and has the right mental makeup to be a goaltender in this league and he's not going to stop every single ball but i don't think he lets goals bother him and he just resets himself and i think this kid's got a real future here 
Yeah, I'm uh, proud of myself in being a little bit of a lacrosse scout or a lacrosse uh, sponge. But I mean, Walsh has got everything you look for in a goal. He, he's competitive. He, he's a team first guy. He, he brings energy. He's competing throughout the game. Um, I mean, he's 21 years old. I think uh, anyone who watches NLL knows that with a 21 year old goalie, there's going to be some growing pains. I don't think we've we've ever seen otherwise, really. Um, but he he's got everything we, we want and we look for, and and um, really really excited to see what he holds in the future. He's he's living downtown now. I spend get to see him a lot, and um, he's got a kind of a ferocious work ethic. He's up in the mornings taking shots, doing doing what it takes. So uh, yeah, Walsh is a guy that we're we're really excited to have, and and uh, he's going to be put in the spotlight this year for sure just going back to hammer for a sec have you have you used i think it's called the hammer pro x have you used his shafts yet what what are they like uh i got one i'm on a new thing where i'm switching sticks every couple games uh maybe if i start shooting better that won't be the case but i got one <laughs> it, it feels great it's light i, yeah, I got I, one too i haven't used it yet just because i'm not sure if we're allowed to use them in in our league yet um but they're, yeah they're awesome they're they're super light they got a soft feel to them which i like and uh yeah no, I'm, I'm a hammer pro myself yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> hashtag hashtag loading baby um and you like to do like the fancy tape jobs on your on your stick and everything like that but one thing i want to ask you with no shoe deal in place here with the nll and there's a lot of reasons behind that but man that the footwear game of the entire league has been something to behold a lot of jordans out there and and different different types of shoes uh and i know you're a big shoe guy mitch so what do you what are you rocking out on the turf uh these days and uh you know what what's your go-to pair of kicks i do like the kicks uh whew, how long you got i got a few pairs <laughs> got some got, time I, we got some time I like, the, I like the jordan uh westbrooks the westbrook three 3.0s i think i got a pair of black and gold on a pair of whites of those I got, I just started wearing the, well, I wore the Zions over the summer in red. So I got a pair of those in black and white now. Um, and then I also got a pair of uh, APL, which are a bit on the pricier side, but they're, they're kind, kind of moon boots. The guys tell me I'm wearing when I, so you'll see those uh, sooner than later. Okay. Look forward to it. Did you, uh, did you get a chance to see the, the shoes? They look like they were like Classic. Yeah, those like they look like yeah. those individual toe shoes that people wear. Like, what what's up with those? I mean, that that guy must be a bit of a freak. That's kind of the new science shows. Foot health is good. Uh, Keegan Ball wears those during our first like prior to our first warm ups. And a lot of guys like to go. Some guys like to go on the turf barefoot or in socks, just because it kind of activates your feet. But to play in those is pretty wild. You got to be. You got to be very solid on your feet and strong to be confident playing those. So, uh, yeah, I mean, good on him. I, I watched that game and noticed it like the rest of the people, and it seemed like he was having a really good game. So. They showed a shot of, of the cyborg just kind of standing at a camera, like in behind him. And he's got to be the new calf king. Like, Dutchie, I think, had that crown for a long time, but Hasek has got to be the new calf king of the NLL. Like, the legs on that dude are just insane. Like, it's insane. If he's wearing those barefoot shoes during the game, they're gonna keep getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> I started, I started running in them. The mat, like if you run a five k with those shoes or with the regular shoes, it's night and day. Like your your calf and ankle are just shredded after. Really? Those. Yeah. Um. So it's a huge difference. Uh, you gotta you gotta work your way up to that. That's for sure. All right, Vegas this week, Mitch, and uh, return affair here, and it's never easy to to try and beat a team on back to back, especially going on the road to do it. But what do you what do you think you guys learned from that first meeting with the Desert Dogs that you can take into Friday's game? 
I think, I mean, we did a lot of things well that we, we haven't been doing previous, just, just loose ball battles coming off the bench hard, uh, ball movement and not having it sticky up there. Um, I thought our breakouts and, and our face-off battles were really good. So a lot, a lot more of the same. Um, obviously it helps when you're shooting at a clip like that. I don't know if we can expect, uh, to always do that, but if we're doing the right things, um, we'll definitely be getting those chances and then just comes down to finishing and, and being smart and kind of playing within the game flow. Um, I, I don't know how much, how much film you watch, like outside of your guys' games. I know you mentioned that you watched, uh, you were watching the Halifax game from Friday night, but, um, I'm wondering if you guys as a team that to this point, I mean, excluding Saturday night have struggled in the early stages. I wonder if you guys can look over to a team like Rochester, who a lot of team or a lot of people had no expectations for, and they've, I mean, they're the only remaining undefeated team. I'm wondering if you guys, if, if as the Warriors, you can take what they're doing and, and use that as motivation going forward. Uh, We haven't, or I haven't personally necessarily watched done that, but you do notice kind of around the league. We, we notice even going back to last year, you watch, we watched some of Colorado's kind of playoff and, and late season run and, and you see that they're they're playing a very team oriented game. They're playing together. So, um, and then when you're scouting teams, you kind of sometimes you pluck stuff from them, uh, whether it's a simple t- play after a timeout or or a power play formation or whatever it might be. Um, definitely ways to uh, try and improve yourself by watching other teams. Um, I like you said, I, I watch if it's a Friday game or Sunday game, whatever. I'll definitely tune in and watch it. It's tough with the games all being at the same time. Um, and then plus I usually rewatch our game and then I also usually watch a game, the last game of the team we're going to play. So between that, I'm kind of watching as much of the cross as I can, but yeah, it would be, uh, it's always uh, from minor cross up. I think every, every cross player should be watch as much as they can. And that's, that's definitely a way to get better fast. A couple more minutes here with Mitch Jones. I got a, a couple things left here. Uh, I got a text from Ray Porcelato today, Mitch, uh, GM of the new Westminster Sandbellies. I'm assuming the captain will be back in, in red, blue, and white come summertime. And I know you're focused on the Warriors right now, but a uh, little event going on at uh, the Reach in March, and it sounds like the bellies are, are going to load up here on the summer. I would imagine a couple other teams are going to do that as well, but uh, can I expect to see you? on March 2nd and uh, how forward are you looking to, to a run to the man cup on home soil come the summer? March 2nd at the race. So let's get that date going. I think, yeah, the, the river's reach probably had the longest COVID closure of any place I've, uh, I've seen, but I'm happy to see that place back open. Um, I'll be back in belly land. I'll be back in Queens park. I think, yeah, it always gets exciting when the West is hosting and especially with the roster we have and, and the potential we have there. Um, Who are you signing? You must be plugged into this. Who's who's coming to New West this summer? <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll let the GM make I know you were going to tell me. Uh, I can tell you, between me, Logan, Will Malcolm, my brother, Forgrave, Hayden Dixon, Kevin Crowley, Keegan Ball, we got some guys, Jordan McBride, we got some guys up front that I'm excited to play with. And, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. All right. Uh, real estate, Mitch, we, we talk about it in, in quarter four, uh, how to get a hold of you and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, what's going on in the real estate market these days? You got some places, uh, you're, you're trying to move or trying to buy or what, what's going on the market, I think is starting to make the turn, right? There was a little downtime there. The rates were up, but things are, are starting to mellow out a little bit and get back to normal. Right. A little market update on last class. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there, we can talk interest rates and all that stuff. It's definitely been a little slower. Uh, it also comes with kind of the winter and holiday season. Um, we've got a new listing or two coming up here. You can always 
check out uh, the Josh Benson Associate website. Um, always feel free to give me a call, of course. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, coming around. Real estate's in. I'll say that. Okay, so. I need a I need a I need like a real estate hashtag from Mitch Jones uh, at some point in the this week as well. Uh, on the spot too. You know what I'm working? I'm really my January is kind of dedicated here to. I've been doing this for over two years. Um, I haven't really. You're the first marketing thing I've ever done. So I'm looking. I I I have a clue of what I'm doing now. Um, I can say that confidently. So I've been kind of. There's going to be a website soon. There's going to be uh more marketing more kind of interactive stuff like that so i don't know if that gives you a hashtag but we'll look uh, we'll discuss what I'm, we'll discuss i'm up to right now as it's a little slower um and you kind of don't have to juggle as many clients but uh yeah i'm excited to do that and, and kind of keep going in that business as i'm uh playing the cross well we're excited to have you on board man and uh you're gonna be with us throughout the entire year so appreciate you coming back on lax class i'm sure we'll have you back on best of luck down in sin city be safe down there in vegas and uh good luck against the desert dogs friday night thanks for doing this always safe thanks guys appreciate it there you go mitch jones uh of the vancouver warriors he's a lax class vet now and he's also now a proud sponsor of the podcast so you know tino you're at the age now where you're kind of starting to look at the market a little bit you're probably you know you're gonna wife up jen soon babies will be on the way you gotta start thinking about these things at your point in life and you know for people a little older they may be time to to move out of their first home and, and into a bigger place or whatever the case may be now all the classmates here have a place to go it's mitch jones realty and uh he'll take care of you for all your buying and selling needs it's good yeah thanks for uh for putting my timeline on blast here well Jeff, if jen's <laughs> listening she's going to be expecting a ring in, in no time right so oh yeah, i know we've 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 had this discussion. i, I care i knew it she I wasn't asked, too happy when I uh, when I asked her if she'd be down for like a mood ring or a, or a ring pop <laughs> some, or something. Something so from was, the dentist, yeah. Yeah, I was in trouble after that. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks to Mitch Jones. We got a half a program here still to go on EP218. Quarter three. It's halftime, but quarter three is coming up. Lax Class Locks are next. Stick around. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is Reese Dutch, and you're listening to Lacrosse Classified. Welcome back to Lax Class. Into second half action we go. Jake Elliottino, Farah with you. And with us since day number one, Associated Labels and Packaging. Down there in Coquitlam, over 40 years of experience in the label and packaging business, focusing on ethics, people, quality, of course, is top priority at ALP. Everything needs a label or a package, except for maybe like produce or something. But even then, I think you could. By the way, a little quick tangent here to the grocery stores of British Columbia. Quit trying to sell candy in the produce aisle. That is effing ridiculous. I'm trying to, you know, stay disciplined here a little bit, buying my produce. And at the end of every freaking aisle is a bag of candy just taunting me. Stop doing that. That's that's not cool. Safeway, save on, whoever. Brutal. Candy in the produce section should not be a thing. 
Associated Labels and Packaging, ALP, Labels, Packages, they are your people. And uh, the boss down there, pretty happy. He whooped up on my Seahawks, took a double or nothing bet off me pretty easily as well. So uh, congratulations to the stupid 49ers on their football win there to Sean Ashworth and whatever. All right, let's move along here. Uh, Quarter number three, I got to tell you to give us a follow on social media. At Lacrosse Classified on Instagram, at Lax Class on Twitter. We got a Facebook page as well. Search up Lacrosse Classified. Email address is lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. Don't forget, send me your horse noises via email and uh, give us a follow on our personal accounts as well. At Ferratino and at PXP, the number four sports. Now, Tino, let's get the people some jumbo bucks in their pocket. It's time for Lax Class Locks. Locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hear by the club, lock of the week. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. Lax Class Locks presented by Coolbet Canada. Bonus code is Lax Class. If you haven't signed up for Coolbet now, what is your problem, man? Coolbet.com. Bonus code is Lax Class. Get free money. They will match you up to $200 on your first time deposit. And for all you established Coolbetters, don't forget to screenshot your NLL bets. Tag Coolbet and Lax Class on Twitter. And be entered into our monthly draw for Cool Bet swag and NLL tickets. I got a Lax Class Two here for patches, Tino, but I am not popping that thing in the mail until the Cool Bet swag arrives at my doorstep. You listening, Gregoire? I'm waiting. We're we're well into January now. Just saying. Just saying. Okay. Bonus code Lax Class. Screenshot your bets and uh, win prizes, win money. You'll like that. Cool bet, Canada. Uh, stay cool, bet responsibly. We picked, uh, well, I kind of picked the parlay this week, Tino. You were working, and now I kind of forget what I picked. You got it in the chat there. Do you got that, that thing? Better handy? believe I do. Okay, pull that up. Since I picked it, you can let the people know what we're doing. Just nice and easy here. Buffalo Bandits on the money line, minus 127. They're uh, playing Rochester, as we mentioned before. The Vancouver Warriors versus Las Vegas Desert Dogs, the rematch from last weekend. We're taking the over of 23 and a half. That's a minus 110. And wrapping things up, Albany on the money line over New York, minus 120. That gets you a cool bet return of plus 600. Thanks to our friends at Cool Bet. So you're looking at uh, 20 jumbo bucks, gets you about 140. And like I said, I like that. I know, well, we kind of ruined it for next quarter here, but Buffalo on the money line here against Rochester. So we're out. I'm obviously taking Buffalo in who he got. So that that's pretty self-explanatory there. Can't change it now. Even though he almost convinced me. Um, the other thing we would need to talk about is we got updated... NLL championship odds here, Tino, and a few changes up at the top. San Diego still the the overall favorite at a plus 500. Toronto right behind them, along with the Mammoth. 
Buffalo at 650. Pretty enticing. Rochester. What did they start the year out at, Tino? Plus 7,500. Down yes. to a minus 1,000 now. Man, if you laid down money on Rochester at the beginning of the year, oh, and they come through for you, look out. Uh, Desert Dogs down there at 6,500. Georgia at 45. Vancouver moved up a little bit, plus 4,000. The Riptide are dropping down. So NLL Futures championship odds are up there. Cool bet. Check those out uh, when you're making your bets. Stay cool, bet responsibly. Thanks to our friends at Cool Bet Canada. Uh, let quick third quarter here, Tino. We got more to talk about here on EP 218. One more quarter to go, and we'll have it for you next. Right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Who you got is coming up. Hey, this is Ryan Diltz on the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to the Paras Classified, throwing the game one podcast at a time. And now it's time for Who You Got. Fourth quarter is now a go. Welcome back to Lax Class as we'll bring you home here on EP218. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, now hanging with us here in 2023. You heard him back in quarter number two. It's Mitch Jones. You all know Jonesy on the lacrosse floor with the Vancouver Warriors. Mitch Jones is also taking care of business in the Vancouver real estate arena. If you're thinking about real estate in the Lower Mainland, Mitch Jones, along with his team at Royal LePage Sterling, includes a full array of professionals. Mitch Jones and his real estate team provide full-service brokerage to take care of any real estate questions, investing strategies, buying and selling your home. Talk about whatever real estate goals you may have on your mind. Listen, Tino, I've known Mitch Jones for a long time. He was my ball boy back when I was a salmon belly at four years old. And if there's one thing I've learned about Mitch Jones over the years is that this guy works hard on and off the floor. Need a house to buy, need a house to sell. No, need a house to sell, need a house to buy. Mitch Jones Realty is your guy right there, Mitch Jones. Look him up. Uh, We got information here on Mitch Jones. Let's get get you that. Here's how you get a hold of Mitch Jones, 604-916-6772. That's the phone number. Email is mitch at joshspence.com, or he's on the Instagram and the Twitter, Mitch Jones 4 on Insta, Mitch Jones 74 on Twitter, which is kind of wacky because he wears number 16, and he's got 4 and 74, but... Maybe we'll talk to Mitch about that next time, about getting those changed around. Uh, Mitch Jones Realty, who you got? Week eight. Are you ready, Tino? Yes. All right. Let's play your favorite podcast game. It's time once again to play your favorite podcast game. Who you got? There it is. Who you got? Presented by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. One more sponsor read to get in here. And uh, Workhog. Ariat. These are the boots you're looking for on the job site. Waterproof, puncture resistant, composite safety toe. 
Those things are all pretty important when you're walking around on the job site. CSA approved, of course, but most importantly, they have traditional Western styling that you can only find where, Tino? Stampede, Tack, and Western. Located where, Tino? Oh, I forget the cross streets. Oh, come on. Out there Dale. in the Dale, corner of Highway 10 and 180th. They've been there for like 53 years. Check them out. Work hog by Ariat. Stampy Tech, who you got? We mentioned the winner. Congratulations to them. Uh, it's a new week. It's a new dawn. I think, Tino, did you do better than me last week? I can't. I don't even know. I went five for eight. Yeah, I think you. I think you're hosting this week, pal. Oh, I think you're hosting baby. this week. Everything's coming up, Millhouse. Okay, I finished one oh ninth. Where'd you finish? God, you make me pull it up right now. Well, come. <laughs> Care, careful. I have like careful. T- I have this week's picks up. Careful, <laughs> Tino. Careful. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna give you the host because I suck so bad that I I don't deserve to host this week. So you do it. You just do it. I thought you'd never ask. Yeah. All right, week eight. Only four games here, starting off in Rochester. So it is a home game for Rochester. Buffalo. 730. <laughs> you didn't even let me freaking finish? Are you on my hosting job? I'm Come sorry, on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Unreal. Well, you know Friday I took night. Buffalo in the deluxe class locks. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Friday night, 730 Eastern. So 430 Pacific. Buffalo visiting Rochester. Jake Elliott. Yes. Who you got? I got the Buffalo Bandits. I think this is where the balloon pops here on the right. Shame on me if they if they get it done. I'm not going to pick against them again. But I just I feel like this bubble has got to burst a little bit, and Buffalo might just be the team to do it. Bandaland's going to travel down there to Blue Cross. It's going to be a neutral atmosphere in, inside that arena. And uh, Buffalo four and one chance to to get into a tie with Rochester if they beat them. So I'm taking Buffalo for a five for a five team. All right, so I'm taking Rochester for a six. And like just real quick, my reasoning here, I think we're going to see the most motivated Connor Fields that we have ever oh, seen. Good. Maybe uh, the only other time we're going to maybe see him more motivated is when they play in Buffalo. So I'm going to take Rochester for a six, and I think this is going to be a money-on-the-board kind of night for, for Connor Fields, and this whole team is going to get behind him. All right, the second game on Friday night, Vancouver heading over to Vegas. That's at 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 Pacific. Jake Elliott, who you got? I got to tease. I, I'm going with Vancouver again here. I know Vegas is going to win some lacrosse games this year, but I just feel like Vancouver, if they want to put themselves back into the conversation, this is a must win for them once again. Maybe a little risky. But I'm taking Vancouver, and I'm taking them. I don't know if I've ever done this, Tino, for an eight. Oh, oh, oh we are on the same wavelength, baby. <laughs> Vancouver for an eight. All right. Let's move over to Saturday. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We got the New York Riptide heading down to Albany. Jake Elliott, who you got? I could not be... More unimpressed with New York this year. I quite frankly I'm disappointed because I expected more out of the Riptide at this point of the season. And they may change things around. They may turn it around and, and start racking up some wins. But I cannot go against the Albany Firewolves after coming off at a performance like that against Halifax. They're back at home. They're at 500. They're taking on a winless team. 
and uh, I can't have Marilyn Johansson in my DMs anymore just grilling me. So I'm taking Albany. Albany for a seven. Well, she can uh, she can send me a message and put me on the grill because I can't believe it. I'm going with the Riptide, baby. I think they're going to get their first win. However, okay. this is my five pick. Right. I'm not overly confident. So New York for a five. That's fair. Uh, let's close out the weekend, the fourth game of the weekend, the second game. Well, hang Saturday. on here, Tino, because not to interrupt your hosting duties here, but I believe the start time has changed. In this oh, game. that's right. This this game regular scheduled for seven o'clock in Philadelphia now bumped up to a matinee affair early lacrosse on a Saturday for here on us on the West Coast. This is a ten a.m. West Coast start between the Rock and Wings. If you got Wings tickets, get down to Wells Fargo early uh, because they changed start time in this one. Rock and Wings, one o'clock Eastern. That's right. Thank you very much. Uh, okay. So, yeah, Toronto versus Philly. Jake Elliott. Hey, I'm going to do my best Jake Elliott impression. Jake Elliott, who you got? I like, I like it. You should do that more <laughs> often. I'm taking Toronto here. I thought they were super impressive on the weekend. And, and previous to that, I think I gave their entire defense a, a stallion of the week. And and honestly, I don't need Jamie texting me going, what, what the heck are you doing picking against us either? So, Philadelphia disappointed me their last home outing and uh toronto impressed me and that is the entire reason i'm taking the rock on the road for six all right so based on uh that last speech uh the listeners should take away that uh you can bully jake elliott into (laughs) making his picks (laughs) pressure peer pressure me yeah Uh, i am also gonna take the toronto rock uh, so Jamie, don't bully me, please. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to be my seven pick. Okay. And that closes out the weekend. Don't forget your tiebreaker. Don't forget to save and apply. And don't forget to get your automatic picks on. I saw somebody tweet out last week. Oh, if I only would have did, I missed the first game of the week. And otherwise I would have won. Get your auto picks on people. And just in case it's a safety net for you. And then you got no excuse. So do that. Save and apply. Auto picks, do it all. And uh, have fun playing who you got. And Tiebreaker is going to play a factor this week with just four games on the schedule. We know this. So put some thought into what your Tiebreaker is this week. Uh, appreciate everybody listening to Lax Class this week, each and every week, right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. We thank you so much. We thank our sponsors, of course, Stampede Tack, Associated Labels and Packaging, Rycor Construction, Cool Bet Canada, and Mitch Jones Realty. And uh, thanks to Mitch Jones for stopping by the podcast as well. Tino, thanks to you. Thanks to everybody. And that will wrap up EP218. We'll be back next week, every week, with another edition of Lax Class. But now, we're out of here. For Santino Ferra, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.